It's good to see everyone. For everyone that's going to be watching this on video, we apologize now for the horrible camera, but our camera went down this morning, so um, we were good. But um, man, I'm excited that you guys are here this morning, and we just continue to press on as we always press on. Um, but um, man, this, is, this has been a series that just, I love this series, because uh, one, it's a passion of mine. Um, I believe every person on this planet deserves the right to hear the gospel and make up their own mind. And I believe that's our job. And so um, it's kind of been a theme for us all year about what it is to be the church and, and how to, and to you know, what, what's the purpose of the church, and that is to further God's kingdom and everything. And so I'm excited as we go through it. But this morning's going to be a little bit different. This morning's going to be a little bit more challenging. Have you, <coughs> excuse me, have you ever noticed there are some conversations that when you start them, they end the conversation? I mean, in our culture today, you know, you bring up politics, and it's pretty, pretty kind of polarizing right now, unfortunately, which is really sad to me. We used to be a country that we could agree to disagree and then go get some coffee, and it was all fine. It's, we're just not like that anymore. We, it, we were a country built on debate, and, and we can't really do that. But, I mean, there are topics. There are hot topics that we bring up, and people just – it almost kills the conversation. So politics, um, abortion, all that stuff, that's a huge topic right now. Um, as it always has been, religion. Religion comes in. In the church, there's some topics, too, that kind of like squelch everyone and stuff. One is money. We hate to talk about money. Unfortunately, a lot of people feel like they come to church, that's all we ask for, and everything. It's one of the reasons we don't pass a plate. I don't ever want anybody to feel obligated to give. I want them to feel led um, to give, because I believe God always has enough resources. Um, but another one that we don't talk about a lot is hell. Hell is not... A very happy subject. And guess what, guys? That's what we're going to talk about today. And so it may get a little uncomfortable. May get, I don't know what your views are, but I'm going to trust the views that are in the Bible. And so um, it's a hard topic um, to talk about. And it sounds, it's a very heavy topic to talk about. And it is, my goal is not for you to leave here all depressed and everything. My goal is to leave you to leave here motivated and encouraged that we don't have to deal with that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 16. Um, there's a few stories, a few references in the Bible, but tell them I can't come right now, but um, if you ordered a pizza, it has to be here at noon, so um, perfect, um, but <laughs> sorry, I told you, I, I have a doctrine in sarcasm, I'm really, <laughs> I might say it's a spiritual gift, or I don't know, but um, but um, there's, there's, there are places where it talks about hell, it mentions hell, it describes hell. This is probably one of the greatest stories um, that really gives us a picture. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 16. If you don't have Bibles, we have them available. You can sign into our Wi-Fi at GBC Guest. Just type in Find More. Um, you can do that. Um, but as always, and as I said in the beginning, we believe these words are the words that matter, the only words that matter. Um, it's the only authority I have. Um, to ever get up in front of you and preach or teach or do any of that. And so I ask if you would just stand with me as we read in Luke 16, starting at verse 19. Jesus tells this story. He says, There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor, name, poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off, with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he cried out, 
Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you, between us and you, so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot. Neither can those from there cross over to us. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father, Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Will you pray with me? Guys, come this morning. Um, Father, this is not a conversation that I ever enjoy having, but it is so important. God, I don't want this room, this building to be filled with fear and dread, because uh, none of those are of you. You are a God of grace, you're a God of mercy, of holiness, but you are also a God of justice. And so, Father, would you just lead our time now? Would these words be your words, not mine? God, would you use these to encourage us, to, to embolden us, Father, to live the life you've called us to live, the life, Jesus, you sacrificed for us to live. God, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond. God, give us the courage to do something with this outside these walls. Father, whatever needs to be dealt with today, let it be dealt with. But God, just have your way. May this message, may this time bring great glory to you, God, and may it further your kingdom. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the truth is, this is a hard conversation. Hell is a hard conversation. We don't like to talk about it. It's, uh, we don't like to talk about sin at all in a lot of our churches because, you know, we don't want anybody to feel bad. But then, then we also, we don't want to talk about hell. But the truth is, is did you know Jesus spoke three times on hell for every one time he spoke about heaven? He talked more about hell than he did heaven. And, and this morning, this is not a message to scare you, because as I look around this room, I, I assume and, and I believe of just in conversations with you and talking to you and over the time of knowing you, I just I assume and I believe that that everyone here has kind of missed that. Hi, guys. Come on in. Let's make some room. Why did everyone sit on the end? Scoot in. Make some room. So again, it's not a message to scare us because again, as I look around this room and I've seen the faith of the people in this room, I believe you're pretty, pretty much everyone's safe from there. If you're not sure, let's talk real quick, okay? And, and so it's not necessarily when we're talking about hell this morning. It's not so much to to scare you, but to remind you what you've been saved from. Because I believe that we kind of get complacent sometimes. You know, if you're like me, I got saved when I was like five years old in a little tent revival and stuff at a children's tent revival. I grew up in the church. I, I, I've heard this over and over again. 
and, and, and I've studied it, and I've gone to school, and, and all these things, and, and, and I know what Jesus does. I know what Jesus has done for me, but after a while, we get complacent, I think, and sometimes we forget what we've been saved from and what people out there needs to be saved from. And so that's really what this morning is and stuff. And, and I know one of the toughest questions and probably one of the questions you've heard before is if God is so loving, why does he send people to hell? And I just want to make this fact right off the beginning is that God doesn't send anyone to hell. We go of our own volition. And, and in, fact, in fact, that's what, that's what the Bible says over in John 3.17. It's going to do it now. There we go. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You understand this and know this right off the bat. When people come up and say, well, if God's so loving, then why, why does he send people help? He doesn't. We choose it. He came to save. He came to redeem. And it's our opportunity to choose that or not to choose that. You know, I raised my daughters as they were growing up that every choice you have has a consequence. There's a positive and there's a negative consequence. And I think, <clears throat> I think we need to get back to that in our culture. We need to start teaching our kids. We need to start teaching everyone that every choice you make, there's a consequence. There is a consequence of it. And it could be a good consequence. It could be a bad consequence. But there is always a consequence. And it's the same way with eternity. It is the same way with this. So, so let, let's talk a little bit about what hell is, though. First thing is, is hell's eternal. Every person is going to live forever. You know that? Every person that has died is still alive. We were all created for that. We were all made for that. We live forever. It is an eternal place. There are basically two choices at the end of our lives. Either we are with God in his presence or we are separated from God. In his presence. And so hell is eternal. Hell is also a place of pain, fear, and sadness. It is not a nice place. You know, I love it. I'm, I'm at Universal all week, and it's summer, and someone, people will literally come up to me like, it's hot as hell here. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you have a concept. See, I think we have this miscued concept of what comic strip drawers have read with devil with a little pitchfork and horns and everything and by the way satan loves that we've done that because we've made him a cartoon character and says something to be wary of and stay away from we've made hell some kind of party place but it is a place it is a place of pain it is a place of fear and sadness i mean you hear it in lazarus he's begging just to relieve this agony relieve this agony in fact jesus at one time said this he said in um in Luke 13, 28, he says, describing hell, he says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. It is not a good place. And I'm going to say this again and again. It was never meant for you and me. See, I think the problem is, is we have forgotten how much sin cost and how detrimental sin is and remember sin that all that is is us looking at god saying god i'd rather do it my way than your way i don't want to follow your ways i want to do it my way 
and we have forgot the cost of that. But but hell is not only eternal, a place of pain, but it is also it is also a place of isolation. You're not going to go and hang out with your buddies. I hear that all the time. Oh man, I, I want I want to go. I'd rather go to hell and have a party than go to heaven and sit there and sing in a choir and float on a cloud. By the way, if heaven's just sitting on a cloud and floating and playing a harp, I don't want to go either. It is so much more than that. You have purpose today. You will continue to have purpose through eternity, by the way. You still have a job to do when you're in God's presence. It's not just floating around. But, but we, we think that it, it's a place to hang out. No, it's a place of isolation. Do you, you hear in Lazarus, you hear him say, like, hey, I see these other people. Can you send it for them, too? And if they, he is alone. Or you, for the rich man, excuse me. He's alone. It, it, you're in isolation. It is also a place of separation. I think the greatest torment in hell will be knowing that there's a God that loves me beyond anything I can imagine, and I can never, ever, ever be in his presence. We are isolated. We are separated. So, so we, we know what hell is. We, we see through Scripture. Again, Jesus talked a lot about it. But, but I, I want you to know that there are some good things in hell. Have you ever heard that? Oh, good, some perplexed looks. I was hoping for that. <laughs> that There are good things in hell, and that's where we're going to kind of dive into our scripture here. The very first thing is, you know what? There are good people in hell. Look at verse 19 through 22 again in, in Luke 16. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man, poor, man, poor man named Lazarus covered with sores and was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what was... What fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. I mean, it's not a pleasant picture, but you look at this guy, Lazarus, or the, um, the rich man. doesn't say he was evil. doesn't say that he was bad. Verse 22, one day the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. It doesn't say he was like this horrible like murderer or anything. He was a decent human being. He was a good person to what we would say is good. I I hear that argument all the time. As long as my good outweighs my bad. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. My Bible says the opposite. My Bible says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not about being good. It's about being perfect because that's the way we were created to be. And the only way we become that is through Christ. And so on our own, we may believe we are a good person. But we're not good enough. And so hell will have good people in there. Not only that, there will be people with good vision. Look at verse 23. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. This rich man knew exactly where he was. He had perfect vision of where he was and what was going. He knew, he's like, this is not the place I want to be. This is not the place I, I ever desire to be. 
there was still vision. There was understanding and vision to know that I'm in a place where I don't want to be. So understand that I believe that with all my heart, as Jesus teaches, that when people die and they are separated from God and they have chosen not to be with God and to be separated from eternity, their choice again, they will understand very much what they have lost. There will be good vision. Not only good vision, but there's, there's good prayers. Good prayers. Look at verse 24. Father Abraham, he cries out, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. The problem is, is it, 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 it is too late then. There's a good prayer. Pray for mercy. Please, please pray for mercy. And he's like, you had an opportunity for mercy your entire life. Over and over again. There were chances to recognize your need and everything. And you pray for mercy. It's now too late. I know this is a bummer today, but man, we got to remember this is what we're saved from. This is what we're saved from. The next thing is there's good memory in hell. Look at verse 25. Son Abraham, in response to him, he says, Remember that during your life you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things, but now is comforted here while you are in agony. I don't believe there will be one person in hell that says, I'm not, I don't belong here. One of the greatest gifts God gives us is memory. Until that moment. It'll be the greatest curse. Can you imagine? This is a Jewish man. He's rich. He's wealthy. He grew up. He went to, he went to Jewish school, little boy school, that they all went to. He heard it. He was probably, if he was rich and popular and people know him, he was probably in the synagogue every Saturday. He was there. He heard all stuff. And he probably had a memory of like, man, I was blessed so much in my life, and I thought it was all me. But it wasn't. It was God. It's a good reminder for us that every blessing we receive, I love that song, is from God. It is nothing that we do. It is God's favor. It is God's willingness, God's love, his mercy that he blesses us. And so there will be good memory in hell. But not only that, there will actually be really good theology in hell. <laughs> Did you know that? That everyone will know. Philippians 2.11, Paul puts it this way. He says, and Man, we are just having so much fun today. There we go. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everyone will know that Jesus Christ is the way. And they will admit it one day. No matter what they say now. That's why I tell my friends, I tell people as I'm sharing with them, I say, listen, you can choose Christ now or the choice will be made for you later. But there is a day coming when every person on this planet will kneel down and say, yes, Jesus Christ is the Lord. 
It is our hope. It is our desire. It is God's desire. Remember Jesus' mission? I came to seek and save that which is lost. It is our desire that they do that now. But at this point, when it's too late and everything has happened and the judgment has happened and we have been separated and we have been sent and we have been sifted and, and all this stuff, we will know without a shadow of doubt that if we didn't choose Jesus, we chose wrongly. There will be no more question of like, what belief system is right? What belief system is wrong? I had a conversation this week with a, a young girl at, um, in, in Universal while I was working there. Talking about all these different things that are going on in the world and these cultural wars that are happening right now and, and, and all this stuff. And, and she's like, there's just so many different belief systems. And I was like, no, there's not. There's really like there's Christianity and there's this because here's the deal. Every other belief system on this planet is about how good you can be. It's works-based. It, it's about can, can my good outweigh my bad? Will the scales tip in my favor? Can I be good enough? And I said, what a horrible way to live. To wonder your entire life, can I be good enough? The difference with Christianity, the difference with being a follower of Christ, is that I don't have to be good enough. I'll never be good enough because Jesus was good enough. See, that's why the Bible says he became sin who knew no sin, that we would become his righteousness. He took our place. He took our penalty. It is his righteousness that covers us. It is his perfection that covers us, that God sees. And so it's not about, it's not about, well, there's so many ways. No, there's only one way. And Jesus proved it. And so, yes, in hell, there will be good theology. Everyone will know that. There will also be good priorities. Look at verse 27 and 28. The rich man talking to Abraham again says, Father, he said, then I beg you, send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. Send them, send someone to warn them, send someone to tell my brothers. But Abraham mentions, he's like, you have all this. You, you have Moses. You have the prophets. You, you've grown up in this. And if they didn't believe him, they're not going to believe someone else. I love it when I talk to people. says, if I could only just, if God would just show up, I would believe in him. I mean, just rip the roof off. The truth is, if God ripped this roof off, none of us would be on our chairs. We'd be underneath the chairs hiding and t crying out. And saying, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've heard people say, man, if I was there with Jesus, man, I, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have denied him. I, I would have been one of the ones that stuck with him all the way through, man, if I had just been there. No, the people that Jesus talked to knew more about Scripture than you and I will ever know. It's... There are good intentions. It, it doesn't matter. We don't need miracles. We don't need healings or light shows or PowerPoints or, or bands that with fireworks exploding and all that stuff. That'd be awesome. I love that. That would be really cool. This building would be on fire, but it would be awesome. But we don't need any of that because the truth is, is we have the gospel. We have everything we need to know about Jesus and God and all that he wants for us is right here, and if we're not believing this, you're not going to believe if somebody just shows up from the dead. 
And he knew that, and he wanted someone to go send. Go to my brothers, warn, testify to them, witness to them. That's what he wanted. The last thing is good intentions. Hell's going to be full of people with good intentions. There are some that it's just outright rebellion. There are some people that are going to just say, no, I refuse to believe in God. I'm not going to believe in God, and it's ridiculous, and I will take the consequences of it no matter what. There's a guy named, a French philosopher named Voltaire. That was his that was his life. He was against the church. He was against Christianity. He was against that. And he lived his entire life like that. The house he worked in and wrote all the papers is now a Bible-making factory. <laughs> Voltaire's gone. God's word still remains. But there are those... <coughs> there are those that are just apathetic. I don't need to do this right now. You know, let me sow my wild oats. I feel like I just aged myself. <laughs> you know, let, let me go let me go have fun before I become a Christian. Can I tell you something? I've had more fun following Jesus than I ever did as a drunk in college. I don't wake up with any regrets every day. I don't wake up with any headaches. I don't wake up with any like wondering why I did. I wake up with purpose and meaning and, and joy every single day. I've had more fun and more adventures following Jesus than ever. He has taken me to 28 different countries around this world. I've met people all over this world. I've traveled. I've seen things. I've stood on tops of the Alps. I've sat in the Rockies. I've, I've had so many great adventures. For someone to sit there and say, well, I can't be a Christian because it's not going to be any fun. You're an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've had more fun following Jesus because I just trust him. I'm like, God, I don't know where you're going. When we were in the army, I never asked for a base. We could ask for that. And I said, God, just send us where you want us to go. And everywhere we went, they're like, hey, we need a youth pastor. I'm like, cool, I'll do that while I'm here. And we got to travel and do stuff. It is adventure. But there's so many people. It's like, oh, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. There's a problem with waiting. Psalm 103, 15 and 16 says this, For as for a man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field, and when the wind passes over, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. Let me read that for you again, since you didn't get it. As for a man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known known I woke up this morning and said where did 51 years go gosh it felt like yesterday when my mom was yelling get up <laughs> get dressed for church don't argue with me this is the Lord's day shut up <laughs> gosh it felt like yesterday I look at my daughters and remember when they fit here. And now I'm going to be a granddad in November. I mean, it goes so quickly. The good news is, is that our life is that much when compared to eternity.
The truth is, I haven't even begun to live. I haven't even scratched the surface of what living really is. When you're talking about eternity, it goes by so quick. Jesus tells a story about a rich man that he built his towers, he built his barns and everything. And when he got it all set, it was all wonderful and it was beautiful. And he's like, I've got everything. Now I will sit and relax and enjoy. And the last verse in that passage is, you fool, do you not know that God requires your soul tonight? Listen, I, I don't, like I said, I'm not here to scare anybody. That's the, that's the worst way to try to convince somebody to follow Jesus. If it works, great, but it's, it's a horrible way. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to say the reality of it is that we don't know. And hell will be filled of people of good intentions that said, man, if I just wait. This is why anybody says, well, you know, deathbed conversions. I don't know if they're real. I'm like, I think they're real. I pray that they're real because I've seen them. Unfortunately, those people, I think there are two emotions when we stand before Jesus, by the way. I think there's utter joy in just everything. I think there's regret, just a little bit of regret. Because there's a passage in 1 John that says, And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, you will not be ashamed, but have confidence. I think there will be a lot of church-going good people that will stand before God, that were saved, but still sit there for a moment and be ashamed, saying, Oh, but I wasted so much of this. Good news of that is he wipes away every tear. Man, I want to be ready. I, I don't want to wait. I don't want to procrastinate. This is why we're asking who's your one. This is why we keep going over this. Today, like I said in the beginning of this, I'm not talking about this to scare you into faith. I'm talking about this in this room with these people today to remind you what you have been saved from. That is glory. That is praise. That is joy right now. It says, man, I, I don't have to deal with the torment. I don't have to deal with the isolation. I don't have to deal with any of that because what Christ did for me. Remember this. Hell was not prepared for you and me. It was never, ever meant for you and me. In fact, there is a home prepared for us. There is a place prepared for us, and it's not hell. Turn to John 14. John 14, starting at verse 1. Listen to what Jesus says. Don't let your heart be troubled. What a great message for today. When I'm watching the news and I'm seeing what's happening in the world and I'm seeing what's happening all over our country and other countries, it seems crazy. And Jesus right out says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the, the way to where I am going. Verse 5, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Do you understand that hell wasn't prepared for us, but there is a place prepared for us? Think about this for a moment. God took six days to create all of this. And if you don't agree with that, that's fine. We can argue about it later. But I th- it was six days. He took six days to create the Alps and all these fantastic places I've seen, the oceans, the mountains, the prairies, all of it. Six days. Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years preparing a place for us. What's that going to look like? And if you know this, if you know this is the place where I go, if I not choose God, if I choose to do it my way and you have friends that way and you know that there's a place actually being prepared, a home, a room with your name on it in God's presence for eternity. Why would you not tell them? Who's your one? Who's your one that you would tell See, the truth is, is not everyone's going to listen. You can share your story. You can share God's story in your life. And not everyone is going to buy into it. Not everyone is going to accept that. It's okay. It's not on you. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father unless the Father, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them. It is God who draws. It is Jesus who saves. All we have to do is tell and leave the rest up to him. And so there will be people that will say no. I always use this. I always use this um, argument. Not an argument, but just a thought. I said it this week. Um, oh, gosh, his name just slipped from me. He was a philosopher, a scientist. He basically said this. He's like, if if I'm wrong about my faith in Jesus and eternity. Then I have lived my entire life with purpose, with meaning, with joy, helping, serving others. Then I die and I'm gone if I'm wrong. But if you're wrong, are you willing to face the consequences of that? There will be people that will just totally shun us and say, no, no, no. But let it be said of us, Charles Spurgeon said this, let this be said of us. Come on. If then you will be damned, let me have this one thing as a consolation for your misery. That you are not damned for the lack of calling after. You are not lost for the lack of weeping after. You are not lost for the lack of praying after. I don't know who your one is. I don't know who that person is that you're trying to share that you're praying for right now. But if they be damned, let them not be because you didn't call after them. Let it not be because you're not weeping after them. Then you're not praying after them. Let that 
be what we're known for. We'll leave the outcome to God. This morning again, I just ask, who's your one? I know this was a heavy, hard message. But aren't you thankful today that you're saved from that? I mean, that should put a smile on your face. That should put a little joy in your heart. But it also should put a little drive in your soul for others not to have to deal with that too. Who's your one? Not your 30,000, not your 100,000, the people that live around here. Just one. One person to invite over, to invite out for coffee and tell your story. One person to invite into your house, to hear the gospel. One person that you would invite to church. Who's your one? And then trust God for the difference, for everything else. Guys, this is a big deal. Our life is that much. That much in eternity. We get a chance to help steer people towards an eternity forever with God instead of separated in torment. That's the reality of hell. And if you are thankful for being saved from it today, tell somebody. <coughs> Just tell one and see what God does with that. Let's pray.